Hello and welcome to another episode of the R Foundations podcast. This is your host, Joshua, and I will be presenting another version of secular religion. In the previous episode, I introduced the topic of secular religion and we talked about statism. Now, in this episode, I will focus on the Church of Woke. And that is the next secular religion in this series that will wrap up roughly with scientism as the third secular religion. But then I'm going to continue this theme of secular religion on through a few more episodes. So let's just go ahead and get into this idea of the Church of Woke. If you are a proper listener of this podcast and have listened to the other episodes that I have done, then you have run across this term multiple times before. So some of this might be familiar and some of this might be a bit of repetition, but I'm going to try to cover things differently than I have in the past, bring up different points than I have in the past, and just approach it from this viewpoint of season three, where I make some parallels to the original church as well, and modern alternative movements and these types of things. So let's just start off with the origins of wokeism. It is said that the term woke first came out of African-American culture around the 1940s, but the most current manifestation has evolved far beyond these roots. The general concept is that one who is woke is not asleep to the injustices of the world and modern culture. This most strongly applies to the issues of race, gender, and economic status, among other things. Now, it's not just that people are woke and they have awoken to the injustices of the world. This has morphed into a religion. And again, it has evolved. It started off as one thing, started to transform, and now has evolved into what I am terming a secular religion. Now, the problem is that Wokeism has become radicalized, and now the woke have begun to see injustices everywhere they look. If a man gets a job over a woman, for example, it's obviously, to them at least, an issue of gender discrimination. If there isn't equal representation of black and white in a given circumstance, then of course it's due to systemic racism. The rich are always scheming to make the poor poorer, Concepts like critical race theory, gender fluidity, systemic racism, bioethics, cancel culture, and democratic socialism are all branches of the woke tree. It is connected to animal rights, climate change, mental health awareness, diversity, and other buzzwords that have their roots in true morality, but have been corrupted into becoming a social movement for the church of woke. Now, this is despite things like facts and logic. That's, again, something I've talked about a lot in previous episodes, that we are no longer living in a world of facts and logic. We are living in a world of narrative and ideology, and that's where this idea of wokeness really becomes dominant. And this is why it can become dominant. Because again, if you're looking at something like systemic racism, and you are seeing that there are more white people on a board of directors than black people, if you're wanting to use something like logic and reason and rational thought, then you would look at the population of people available that would fit for this job and look at the population of the people who applied and the population of people that are possible candidates. You would look at all these things and you would probably see that there is a difference between the number of black people and white people as well as other races and nationalities. It would really be very unlikely if all those numbers were the same. That wouldn't really make a lot of sense because different nationalities and different races are not equally represented in every single class that you can make up and division that you can create for human beings. That's not the way it works because there is difference in different human beings. That's kind of just the way reality is. And so if you're in a company that has, let's say, 60% white people and that company is located in an area 
that say may have 70% white compared to black in their population, and you look at the candidates that applied for the job, and only two black people applied and 20 white people applied, and you look at how qualified the black versus the white people are, then you can get a good judge of what a what an expected ratio may be between those two specific races in this specific category at this specific time. That is something that you can at least roughly estimate based on all of that data and all of those facts, among others. But if you are not doing so because you don't live in a world of facts and logic and you want to create your own reality, then you can create whatever narrative you want. And you can just blame the fact that there are more white people than black people in this certain position on the fact that there is systemic racism and this is proof and evidence of it. The Church of Woke offers a cause to stand up for, to fight for, something larger than oneself to be a part of. It offers a holistic approach to the life of its adherents. It provides a system of ethics. It provides congregations to be a part of. It gives the opportunity for evangelism and the goal-oriented nature of that. It gives people a sense of being a part of something bigger than themselves for the good of everyone and everything. It's for the good of the planet, for nature. It's for the good of society as a whole and maybe a nation. It's for the good of all of the individuals within that society and within that nature. At least that is what the Church of Woke preaches, and its adherents can believe this and be a part of this, and it sounds great. It fills a lot of those, I guess what a lot of people would call a God-shaped hole inside of human beings. We are all wired, we are created, we have evolved, whatever, for this desire to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to play a role in a grand narrative of good versus evil, to take care of those around us. These are all things that people naturally have an inclination for. This is part of that light side of the natural order. This is how the natural order exists. This is the structure of it. Things like love and justice and free will. These were all principles that I covered in the natural order episodes. They all apply. Now, a full explanation of the Church of Woke and diving into the details of it and various modern examples, all these kinds of things... It's really not worth doing right now. This is partially because it's just not really the place for it and there's no reason to, but this is also because I've already done that to a large degree at least. So specifically, if you go back to the Vin Armani episodes, I think that starts at episode 111. He brings up the topic of the Church of Woke and we talk about it some in our interview, but in the elaboration episodes in between sections of the interview where I elaborate on a lot of the topics, the Church of Woke is definitely elaborated on quite a bit. So I don't need to go into many of those details, but if you have not listened to that and this is an intriguing topic to you that you want to dig into further, that is where I would recommend that you go. Now, due to the rising dominance of the Church of Woke, it is becoming a factor in the relationship between the individual and society, between, from a Christian perspective, obedience to God and obedience to the state. This is kind of the whole point to this podcast as a whole, is understanding what's going on in society, how this world functions from a systems perspective, and being able to take advantage of that in order to protect ourselves and our families, to do better in our lives, to prepare ourselves for the things that are happening and things that are coming, that's kind of the whole goal. So that is what I am trying to do, and that is why talking about the Church of Woke, among the whole rest of this podcast, is important to do. Now, while for the most part, wokeism and statism are two separate secular religions, they do have a strong connection together. And I will say that just because statism is a secular religion, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that anyone that thinks that a state is necessary is a statist in this religious sense. Just like everyone that might have some of the values of being woke and consider themselves someone who is fighting for environmental protections or against racism or these kinds of things and might be in with that woke crowd, that doesn't mean they are part of the church of woke. I would say that that is a scale. There is degree. And that is not something I can really define, to be perfectly honest with you. And so I I do want to say that, that there are people that might be related to and even approving of the state or the woke culture, but might not necessarily be a part of wokeism or statism. And while I say that, I would say that probably most people that are into those things probably do fit the definition of religious adherence. Now, the Church of Woke sees the state as a tool and a method for carrying out its goals. Wokeism has infiltrated the left fairly easily. This would be the Democrats in the United States. But it's infecting the right, the Republicans, as well. It is not a political entity. It's a religious movement. It's a secular religion. So due to this, it is not confined to one political party or another. While the ideology is closest to that of the political left, it can be and is being adopted by the right as well. You can look at someone like Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner or however you want to refer to that individual. That is an individual that has changed genders. Now, in the past, the people on the political right are the conservatives, largely conservative Christian in America, and they would be definitely opposed to a man changing his sex to a female and then trying to be a moral and societal leader over other people. That is not something that would be looked on fondly. At least it would not have in the past. But now Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, is running as a Republican, or at least was. And so that is something that is now fairly accepted on the right politically. Now, I will still say that that is not universally accepted, but it's just an example of how wokeism is infecting both sides of the spectrum. When you look at policy being presented, there is plenty of policy with woke language in it that comes from the right, or at least is voted on from the right. And so, These are just different examples. It seems that statism is the more material religion, and it does still dominate modern culture, but the more immaterial religion of wokeism is not only rapidly spreading, but is also becoming entwined with the state. I mention representatives that are running for office and a policy that is getting voted on within the state system. That is because wokeism is a part of politics. It has become a part of politics. It wasn't always. You did always have a progressive side versus a conservative side. But this extreme of wokeism, as it has manifested itself in this form of a secular religion, is relatively new. And it is definitely closely entwined with the state and becoming one with the state. Kind of like how I've talked about the corporate world and the political world are very close to each other. There's a lot of crossover there. I'm not going to say they're the exact same, but they are, you can't separate the two the way that either one is currently structured. And that's just the reality of the world we live in. Wokeism is starting to be a part of the state system in a similar way. While the Church of Woke does not run the bureaucracy of government currently, and may never do so, it is a force that one cannot avoid. It does not operate primarily through laws, but through social pressure. Its primary communication network is social media. It will get you fired from your job if you conflict with its teaching, not because you did something illegal, but because the pressure exerted on the company, if they didn't punish you, would be greater than their desire to keep you. This is the way the Church of Woke functions. It is a death cult. 
It promotes violent riots in the streets to make its points. It fights for the right to kill babies in the womb and outside of it. It demands that we all have the right to choose death at any time and should have easy access to voluntary euthanasia and assisted suicide. If one does not like their gender, they should have access to kill off the parts of themselves that tie them to their old gender so that they can be born again a new creature in the image they have created in their own human mind. In line with its immaterial nature, it is not just physical death that it seeks. The cancel culture that it perpetuates attempts virtual death to all heretics. It will hide your content from search results, delete your social media accounts, and prevent you from getting a job. Your relationships will be strained or cut off if you stick to your Christian values around the woke or other moralities that do not fit in with woke doctrine. Its ways are clearly in opposition to the natural order, and they find their roots in the ideology of the dark side of the natural order. Again, go back to the natural order episodes to get more on that. Now, the Church of Woke, as it is manifesting in the current culture, is a cultural shift. The Church of Woke is the cultural shift that is currently Uh, happening right now. It is redefining morals and religious doctrine as a revolution against the old order. This is a revolutionary movement, and if you go into the ideas of E. Michael Jones, you can get more about this idea of the revolutionary spirit. Now, his application of that and a lot of his views are not ones that I fully adhere to, but it is very interesting and enlightening, and you can learn more about that concept from him. Uh, Logos Rising is probably the book he would be most well-known for, but it's this idea of revolt and revolution and how this is something that is in line with chaos and not order. Now, again, going back to the natural order, chaos is what rules the dark side of the natural order, whereas order is what rules the light side of the natural order. So if you are having a revolutionary spirit that is getting rid of and going against everything that came before, That is not something that is trying to establish order, but rather trying to create chaos. Now, in the order that it will try to establish, it is going to be totally against the other principles of the light side of the natural order. So even when it does fall in line with a principle, such as establishing order and hierarchy, the order and hierarchy that it does establish will be a perversion of the light side principles of the natural order. That is the way it works. Oftentimes, the principles mirror themselves, but manifest themselves in one way, a pure version, and in the other, a perversion. And sometimes the principles, they contradict themselves just outright. It is an opposite principle that's manifested from one side versus the other. The Church of Woke is definitely something in line with the dark side of the natural order. We can refer to this dark side of the natural order as the dark kingdom, or the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of man, or the kingdom of the adversary. There are many ways I could word this that would fit with previous descriptions and allusions that I've made in the past, but that is kind of the overall view. It's the dark side of the natural order, the dark kingdom. That is something bigger than the Church of Woke. The Church of Woke is a secular religion. It is a religion, a religious denomination of the dark kingdom. The dark kingdom itself is a kingdom, and the idea of the Church of Woke is a religion under that kingdom as is statism and scientism. Now, wokeism, the Church of Woke, makes statism and scientism more attractive to the masses. These are things that might have a lot more opposition if it were not for the woke culture. Now, I I say that knowing that statism and patriotism have been alive and well for a long time, and I agree with that. But we are at a point in the cycle of history where the institutions of the state have become large, too bureaucratic, very corrupt, and most people are dissatisfied 
with the state as a whole. So naturally, they would start to phase away from supporting the state. And that is typically in the rise and fall of empires. That is near the fall of the empire while the empire has reached its peak, reached its height, and is coming back down. And that is the natural progression. However, with wokeism infiltrating the state and using the state, you have this new fervor for using the state and being patriotic in a way that meshes with your religious beliefs and your morality, such as wokeism. The state really is needed in order to apply morality and to protect the rights of the Church of Woke and its adherents. This is something that it cannot do on its own. Well, it does not do as effectively on its own, I should say. The Church of Woke does use social pressure, as I've mentioned before, and it is very effective in that. Cancel culture is very effective. These are all very effective things. But in order to really push this and really get it ingrained in society, they need to make it law because that is how people view the world. That is the worldview of most individuals that are living today, is that something that is moral is legal, and something that is immoral is illegal. And there are exceptions to that. I think most everyone would say that. But I also think that most everyone would say that the exceptions are an exception. And the norm is that morality is legislated in some way, or that legislation is based on morality. This is something that many status Christians really believe, is that the state, especially in America, was founded on Christian values, and therefore, the state is good, even though there are corruptions and are contradictions. They would say that it's based on that morality. Now, the same is true for the Church of Woke. The state is now becoming built upon the morality of wokeism. That's how wokeism is infiltrating, and as it does so, it starts to legislate this morality. So it is corrupting the morality and the culture around it, and you have heard it said, I'm sure, that politics is downstream of culture. Well, when the masses start to believe a certain ideology and a certain moral framework, then they will vote in line with their beliefs. That makes perfect sense. And if a candidate wants to get more votes and wants to attract more people, then they will espouse these beliefs and this moral structure and will probably do so in the extreme in order to really get people's attention and bring as many people as possible. So this is a method for how wokeism is infiltrating the state and how the state is a useful tool for implementing the morality of wokeism. When you legislate a law and you make it legal and you can show that you had bipartisan support for it, it is just solidifying the aspect of the morality of the Church of Woke within that culture and society. Now, moving on to the idea of scientism and how that pairs with the Church of Woke, science makes the ideologies physically possible. That is the role of scientism. So, science is different than scientism, and I will talk about that in the following episodes, but I'm sure you at least have a rough idea of what I'm talking about here. Now, you can change the culture and get people generally on board with the ideas of the Church of Woke, and you can even legislate those. You can have those ingrained in the system of governance that your society is ruled over by. You can have that as a part of the politics of your society, but in order to actually manifest the ideologies of the Church of Woke specifically, science is very crucial. You need the technology, you need the biological science, you need both of these components, because let's look at something like gender fluidity. If you truly believe that anyone can be whatever gender that they desire to be, well, that's not fully possible and doesn't make nearly as much sense if you cannot physically change 
aspects of gender within a human body. And science makes that possible. Just like if you want to expel heretics and silence them, but you do not have the technology to do so, then that's going to be very difficult and you're probably not going to be very successful. But that is where the science of technology really comes into play. And so the state and the science are used in these ways and many, 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 many others in order to further the Church of Woke. And they use Church of Woke doctrine to further push their own ideologies and doctrines. So scientism, uh, I guess I'll cover that in the next episode. There are some good examples there. Going back to the more macro view of the Dark Kingdom, the goals, the overall goals of the Dark Kingdom are the same. And this would be in every aspect of this kingdom, whether you're looking at the principles of the adversary, that would be the entity, the spiritual ruler of this kingdom, or whether you're looking at any of the institutions of this kingdom, or if you're looking at the secular religions, the goals are all the same. And I will stick to this example of these three secular religions. Now, one of these goals is control. The idea is that you control everything. You control others. You control nature. You control history. You control narrative. You control public opinion. You control all of it. That is the goal, and that is what is being done by the Dark Kingdom through all of these various denominations of the secular religions. The Church of Woke, again, is controlling the narrative and public opinion, They are controlling the view of history. Scientism is using science and technology in order to control nature and in order to control the human body. If you look at statism, the whole idea of the state is to control the society. That is the whole point of that institution. It's all about control. And again, one of the key principles of the light side of the natural order is this principle of free will. One of the principles of the dark side of the natural order is deceit. And while deceit is not the same thing as control, it does actually fit very well here. So the idea is that, well, you ask the question, how do these secular religions control any of these things? Well, it is through deceit. How do they control what we view as history? By deceiving people into a different view of history. How do they control public opinion? By deceiving people into believing a certain thing or not believing another certain thing. How does the state control millions of people? It is by deceiving them into thinking that they need the state in order for their own safety to be kept up and all of these different things. This control is directly tied to deceit when you're talking about the dark side of the natural order. Now, again, when you're talking about the light side of the natural order, you have proper hierarchy and there is control in that. You have order and there is control in that, but none of it is built on and based on deceit. That is where the difference comes into play here. I should probably read a quote that I came across that I've read before at earlier times in the podcast, but it just it fits really well and makes a lot of sense. This comes from Edward Bernays from his book Propaganda, which is short and I would highly recommend to every single person. Quote, The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes are formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, In our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental process and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. So Bernays here is identifying 
how the Church of Woke is operating and the control that it exerts on society as a whole. Now, again, he is not directly referring to the Church of Woke, but when applying what he is saying to our modern context in the context of this concept of the Church of Woke, that is obviously how you can view it and what you would learn from that. Now, I do want to read another quote This one is from Patiram Sorokin, who was a Russian sociologist in his book, Social and Cultural Dynamics. Quote, The organism of the Western society and culture seems to be undergoing one of the deepest and most significant crises of its life. The crisis is far greater than the ordinary. Its depth is unfathomable. Its end not yet in sight. And the whole of Western society is involved in it. It is the crisis of a sensate culture. Now, in its overripe stage, the culture that has dominated the Western world during the last five centuries. Shall we wonder, therefore, that if many do not apprehend clearly what is happening, they have at least a vague feeling that the issue is not merely that of prosperity, or democracy, or capitalism, or the like, but involves the whole contemporary culture, society, and man? Shall we wonder also at the endless multitude of incessant major and minor crises that have been rolling over us like ocean waves during recent decades? Today in one form, tomorrow in another. Now here, now there. Crises political, agricultural, commercial, and industrial. Crises of production and distribution. Crises of moral, juridical, religious, scientific, and artistic Crises of property, of the state, of the family, of industrial enterprise. Each of these crises has battered our nerves and minds. Each has shaken the very foundations of our culture and society. And each has left behind a legion of derelicts and victims. And alas, the end is not in view. Each of these crises has been, as it were, a movement in a great, terrifying symphony. And each has been remarkable for its magnitude and intensity. Now, another separate quote from Sorokin, quote, In all failing societies, respect for obligation and family declines, along with compassion for one's fellows, to be replaced for preoccupation, for amusement, diversion, and predation. Now, again, that's calling out lots of things that we have been talking about. Predation, being a predator, this is one of the principles of the dark side of the natural order. And hopefully you get these illusions. If not, please go back and listen to those episodes. But this is how it works. And Sorokin is talking about these changes, these cultural shifts. He was seeing them at the time of his writing. And I honestly can't remember exactly when he was writing, but it was sometime around the 1940s. And so he's talking about these shifts, that this sensate culture is coming to a head, that he's he's pointing out a lot of these things that I had just talked about, about how at the end of an empire, it hits this stage where it becomes corrupt, it starts falling apart, you have these crises. If you think of the fourth turning cycles, this would be the cycle of crisis, that fourth turning. And so this, these are the things that he is pointing out. But he is pointing out specifically these aspects that I have been mentioning. And these are basically the inversions of the modern culture. So Bernays was talking about this aspect of control. And to kind of get back on track and rewind a little bit, we're talking about the overall goals of the Dark Kingdom as a whole and how these goals are the same whether you are talking about statism or the Church of Woke or scientism. Now, control was one of those. The next one comes in relation to this quote from Sorokin, and that would be the inversion of what I will call the principles of the natural order. Or if we are going back to the parallel that I'm making of the early church, this would be an inversion of biblical principles. I believe that it is not too controversial to say that the modern Western world is largely founded on Judeo-Christian values. So that's just where we come from. That's how our morality has been structured. That's what it was built on. That's the foundation. And so when you see that one of the goals of the Dark Kingdom is 
to make an inversion of these principles, you can apply that in all these different areas, in morality, in hierarchy, in free will. So we talked about these aspects of morality, where what once was wrong and something that should not be done now is often viewed as being so good it should be celebrated. This is, uh, for example, the gender fluidity issue would probably be the easy one here, where it used to be that if somebody wanted to be a different gender than they were born, then that would be largely frowned upon by the culture, and that would be viewed by many people as being immoral. That would be wrong. You shouldn't do that. That is against the natural way that things work that is wrong to do. Whereas now, not only is that viewed as okay to do by the Church of Woke, it is getting pushed as something that one should do and that we should celebrate when one does it. And this is something to really be excited about and to fully support. So again, the pendulum swings both ways and always swings beyond the midway point, and that is where the Church of Woke lies, on the far end of that spectrum. And so that is something that we are seeing, this total inversion of the natural order. Aside from morality, I mentioned hierarchy as another example. You can look at something like the proper hierarchy from the light side of the natural order of the family. Within the family, everyone has specific roles. There is a hierarchy within that unit, but it does not change the value of every individual within that family unit within that hierarchy. It's not that the father is more important and more valuable than the mother. It's just that the father plays a different role than the mother. And within the hierarchy of the family, if there is a decision to be made, then the father is in that leadership position at the top of the hierarchy. Again, not because he is always right, not because his opinion has more value and weight than that of the wife, but because that is how the hierarchy is structured, and there are many, many, many reasons for that that are not really worth getting into. But I think whether you agree or not, you can at least see that there is a structure to the hierarchy of the family unit. Now, when you look at how the Church of Woke operates, what it says is that the children often know better than the parents. The parents are stuck in their old ways. They are conservatives. You know, that's a dirty word, by the way. Kind of like Brave New World. Mother is a dirty word. Father is a dirty word. It's this idea of the inversion of the natural order, the inversion of the family unit and the hierarchy. There are so many quotes, and I've read many before, um, when you get into the realm of conspiracy and steering a culture behind the scenes, there are so many allusions to this aspect of destroying the family unit. That is always one of the key goals because it is the key hierarchy within a society. And if you view things from the perspective of the light side of the natural order, Hierarchy is one of those principles. There aren't very many principles. So this is a very important thing. And this would be proper hierarchy. Statism is not proper hierarchy. The family unit is. So more important than controlling the state would be to control the hierarchy of the family unit. You want to control people down to that level. So get control of the children. Get the children to view themselves at a different level in the hierarchy than what is proper. The children should be at the bottom of the hierarchy, but now we teach children that they are roughly at the top or equal with their parents, that they can make their own decisions, that they often know better, that they can view the world in a more progressive perspective and understand things better than their old parents. And now, I will say at times this can be true, but the destruction of the hierarchy of the family unit when done in the proper way. So again, that's involving the principle of love and sacrifice, these other principles of the natural order. So that is how a family unit should function. And most modern family units do not really function according to all of these principles. And so they're already a bit distorted and dysfunctioned and all of these different things. And so that creates all of these other issues. But if we are looking at the ideal of hierarchy and the family, 
This is something that gets totally inverted by the Church of Woke. A good modern example is one that is currently going on where there is a big push for people to get the COVID-19 vaccine, the shot. And uh, there is a current push right now, as of this recording at least, in October of 2021, for children to get this vaccine, whereas at first they weren't even allowed to, much less suggested that they should. But now there's a big push for this, and there are many states and many jurisdictions that have said that a child can make the decision whether or not they want to be injected with this vaccine outside of the permission of their parents. Now, this traditionally has always been viewed as immoral, that a parent should be sidestepped and a child's desires should be put above that of their parents, their custodians. That is improper. That is immoral. That is not the way the natural order functions. That's not proper hierarchy. But that is what is getting pushed right now, and that is how the law is written in my own state, as well as many others. This is actually happening now. It's an inversion. That's Again, one of the main goals of the Dark Kingdom would be to invert these Judeo-Christian principles or morality or the natural order as a whole. Free will was another example of the natural order that was one of the final principles of the light side, and one of the final of the dark side is deceit. I already talked about this parallel between free will and deceit, but when we're looking at this goal of inverting the natural order by the dark kingdom, this is exactly what we're talking about, where you have free will as an overall governing principle of the natural order and of society that is getting inverted by saying that deceit is what should be used to govern society. Many of the Church of Woke actually fully believe that those who are not adherents to the Church of Woke should be deceived for their own good into following church doctrine, the Church of Woke doctrine. And deception is something that is viewed as moral. This is a total inversion and perversion of the natural order, of the principle of free will. Now, the final goal that I'll mention here, these are just the three overall goals that I think are probably the most overarching of the Dark Kingdom. This final one would be related to this aspect of free will and deceit. You're being deceived into what? Compliance and participation. That is one of the three main goals of the Dark Kingdom. They want compliance. They want participation. They want you to agree. They want your free will consent and decision and support. That is what they're going for. They are doing it through deceit, and they are doing it through perverting the natural order, but that is the goal. They are trying to control, yes, that's the first goal, and in order to do so, they don't want to force this control, this mastery over you. They want to manipulate you. They want to do it in a way that you actually agree to. And that is the overall goal. This is how the minority rule over the majority. This is what prevents revolt in the long run because people are willing participants. They're not going to turn around and revolt about something that has been done in society when they agreed with what was done in society. At least it is unlikely. This society that has given its consent and it supports and participates in what's going on through the Church of Woke and within the Dark Kingdom, that society is much easier to manage. It is much easier to enforce these goals of the Dark Kingdom of inverting the natural order, of controlling all others, nature, society, everything. It is much easier to do all these things when you have compliance and consent and participation. Not only would it be easier for the rulers of the Dark Kingdom, it is at times not even necessary for these rulers or their institutions to do much of anything. Once you have won over the masses, once you have mastered this propaganda, once you truly are steering things behind the scenes, then the people enforce this stuff on themselves. They manage their own society themselves. It's the brave new world idea. And I've talked about that in previous episodes, and I'm going to a few episodes from now again, talking about the different 
ways that technocracy is likely to manifest itself. And this is one of the uh, aspects of this immaterial nature of our current age we're getting into. It's this brave new world idea of looking at the social body as one entity that everyone is working towards according to one ideology that we all share. It's for the good of everyone. And when people believe that way, this pure collectivism under the morality of the Church of Woke, then there is no need for management and enforcement, at least not to a large degree. Largely, society runs itself according to these new inverted principles. And that is the, again, overall goal of the Dark Kingdom as a whole. Now, again, getting back to this parallel of the original church, the original church also faced aspects of this from Rome within the culture that they were in. It was this libertine Roman culture under the very strong arm of the state, under this large bureaucratic corrupt institution, again, largely like all of these things we've been saying about the situation we find ourselves in today. Now, uh, going back to the ideas of Sorokin, the Roman culture was very sensate. It was all about seeking pleasure. It's about maximizing the senses. This is the sensate culture. And Sorokin was talking about how uh, modern culture was coming out of that sensate. And uh, he didn't talk about it in that quote, or I didn't read that part. But the next phase would be getting into an ideational uh, structure. And this would be something more immaterial. And that is what we had shifted into in this age of economics. We kind of had this blend of the sensate and the ideational. And now we are shifting fully into the ideational, the immaterial, what Venn would call the mystical or the magical. This is more how things are working. Again, it's about narrative, public opinion. It's not about facts and logic. That is what we're shifting into. But the time of the church, the Roman state was very sensate. The culture was very sensate. And that is what we're coming out of in today's culture as well. These are the things that are getting changed and getting reapplied differently. These are the inversions. The Roman Empire and many of its citizens truly believed that our group is better than everyone else. And it's in their best interest, there being maybe the barbarians and other people that are not Roman, it's in their best interest to be controlled by us. That Rome taking control and dominating, spreading its dominion is actually good for everyone else. Even if it means people have to die and suffer and all these kinds of things, you have to force some people, you know, you have to do things like this, but it's worth it because it's really for their own good. Rome often used things like cultural appropriation or Romanization. They diluted the local religions when they would conquer an area. So when they would come into an area, what they would try to do is make that culture more Roman, get the people more on the side of the Romans, change the narrative, change public opinion. And often what they would do is use this divide and conquer strategy where they would find the local tribes or the local power centers or whoever that that society was split up. There's always divisions, and they would find which divisions were most in line with Rome and which were furthest opposed to Rome. And so what they would then do is try to fully support the side that is closest to the Roman way and pit them against the side that is against Rome, typically the more conservative traditional side. And again, lots of parallels going on here. And so what they would do is pitch the one against the other, fully support the one that is more in line with the Roman view of things, and they would help that side dominate and take over the society, have full power, then they've already shifted that society much further towards the spectrum of being Roman, just in doing that. And the other thing they would do is a similar thing with religion, where there was always a strong religion within a culture or society, or I say always, there pretty much was always a strong religion that people fully believed and were strong adherents to. And so what Rome would do is start to weed out basically the zealots, those that were very strong believers and really carried out their faith. This was not going to work out well for Rome because they wanted people to be in line with the Roman way. And if they were stuck in their old traditions and their old ways and their old beliefs, 
this would create conflict. This might create revolt. This is not good. You want the religion to be on the side of the state. Again, statism with the Church of Woke. This is the strategy here. And so what Rome would do is start to get rid of the strong adherence to the religion and those that were very traditional and very strong followers of that faith. And the Romans would fully support and start to institutionalize and propagandize for the more cultural religious adherence, the what you would view as maybe cultural Christianity in America today. But they would basically try to Romanize the religion in the same way that they're Romanizing the culture through getting rid of the extreme. And again, if you're looking at an average, if we have the numbers of, let's say, 1, 100, 200, 300. If you took these numbers, 1, 100, 200, 300, those are four numbers, and you took the average of those, that average would be, what, 150. It would be in between the 100 and the 200, in between the 1 and the 300. That's 150. But what if you get rid of the outlier? What if you get rid of the extremist? That number one, it's it's so stuck in the past. It's so different. And let's just get rid of that number one. And we'll say number one is the traditional religious beliefs and the traditional culture. Well, you get rid of one and that average makes a huge change. Whereas it was 150, now 100 is actually the lowest number. And you have 100, 200, 300. 200 is now the new average. And so what if you push on the opposite side and create or help evolve a new class, a new number? Let's make this number 400 that is much more in line with Rome than even the, let's say, far Roman-ish aspects of the old culture, the old religion. So now you have 100, 200, 300, and this new 400. And so all of a sudden, the average is now 250. So if what you do is you just get rid of the outlier on the traditional side, and you add a new outlier on this new progressive side, then you have changed the average all the way from 150 to 250. And if you look at the scale of this, 150 was in the middle, and the highest number was 300. So if the new average is 250, then the new cultural norm is very close to what used to be the highest number on the spectrum when you had 1, 100, 200, and 300. This was a spectrum of the culture as to how Roman or how woke it was versus how conservative and traditional it was. And all you had to do is get rid of the first outlier and create a new outlier on the other side. And all of a sudden, you have shifted that old culture, that old average, all the way from being where it was, which was kind of half and half, to being on the far side of the original spectrum. And you have done so, again, by just dealing with these outliers. That was one of the ways that the Romans would work. And they did that also. Well, I shouldn't say that they did that. It was done also with Christianity. It is how that ended up working out. And there are many reasons for that, and this is not the place for that. But you see that in Christianity as well, where Christianity both in the time of Rome, kind of coming up into Constantine, and in the modern time with the advent of cultural Christianity being actually the norm now and being so tied in with statism that this has happened with Christianity as well. This happened in the past. It's happening currently. It will happen in the future. Now, when you look at this parallel of Rome and this culture and milieu that the original church found themselves in, this is kind of the material version of the Dark Kingdom, so to say. For example, if you look at the biblical story of the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was the physical representation of the kingdom of God. It was not the kingdom of God per se. It wasn't the final 
manifestation of this. It wasn't the ideal of this. It was just a physical representation of this. So it was real, yes, but it was a very material version of this idea that was both material and immaterial. It was to mimic a hierarchy that already existed in nature and in heaven and mimic that in the form of a human society, of a nation, of a people group. And that was the nation of Israel. The more immaterial version of the kingdom of God would be the church. When Yeshua comes and starts preaching the kingdom of God, that's what John the Baptist preached. That's what Yeshua preached. This was what was on their lips. These were the main points of their first sermons, as at least as it is recorded. And so this idea of the kingdom of God was not the nation of Israel. That's very clear in the scriptures when you get into the New Testament. What this idea was, was the immaterial version of the kingdom of God. So we've already seen the material, let's say the nation of Israel. Now you can look at the immaterial. This is a kingdom that is not of this world, as Yeshua puts it when he's explaining this to Pilate. This is the church. This is not a physical state or a specific nationality or race or anything like this. This is a more immaterial thing. And so, again, looking at this parallel, you can see Rome as the material version of the dark kingdom, and you can see these new manifestations as more immaterial. And again, if we're shifting from the sensate to the ideational, we're shifting from the material to the immaterial, then it would be natural that this is the shift that would be occurring. We're shifting into a more immaterial version. And that is how the Dark Kingdom will manifest itself and rule is in more of an immaterial way than it had in the past. So when you look at Rome and you see that there was this great love of empire, very materialistic thing, it was the Roman Empire, and there's a lot of pride that was held up in that. Well, that's where you get this idea of statism. It's the more immaterial version of that. What about the libertinism of Roman culture, where anything goes and it's actually good and you should, you know, be very fluid with who you sleep with and what you do and morality wasn't such a hindrance and things like slavery were very common and viewed as perfectly normal and you would treat your slaves as less than human. This is all built on an ideology and a morality that Rome is the best. Rome is the ideal and it's for everyone's own good to be Roman and for the Roman Empire to spread and have dominion. And again, this libertinism of anything goes, this morality, this ideology that was within the Roman culture that was really getting pushed at the time, that would be the equivalent of the immaterial version of that, the Church of Woke in modern times. And then when you look at the technology of Rome, the way they did their infrastructure, their weapons of war, all these types of things, you can even look from um, kind of like a platonic perspective of music. And he would refer to music as everything from the arts to stories to plays to actual music, to art, and all kinds of things of that nature, that would be music. And so if you look from that perspective with technology, as well as the things that were being created by that culture, then you can see that the material version of that in the Roman Empire was something that was really focused on things like war and sensuality and death and violence. Look at the gladiator games and things like this. And that would be the parallel to something like scientism, where you have something that's focused on science and technology and changing the way that we view the world and interact with the world. Rome was very good at that. And so you have these different aspects where we can see and know these parallels aren't perfect. And uh, that's kind of just always the way it's going to be. But we can see similarities and it works really well, especially when we're looking at this parallel of the original church to modern alternative movements. We can look at the context of what they were living under where we look at Rome and the Roman culture and compare that to what's going on now. We can look at the material nature of that versus the immaterial nature of what's going on now. All of these things can overlap onto each other, and I believe it's beneficial to do so. It helps us to understand these things better. Now, as we shift out of this idea of the Church of Woke, 
we will come into the idea of scientism. And that will be next episode. So I will talk about that again, kind of like this episode. It will be relatively brief. Probably about half the episode will be scientism specifically. And then I'll probably start getting into something a little more general or getting into the next topic. Kind of like I did in this episode where I talked about the Church of Woke uh, very specifically and then got into things that were a little more macro, the Dark Kingdom, that kind of stuff. And so I'll probably do something similar in the next episode with the focus on scientism. So until then, thank you very much for all of your support, whether it's reviews, ratings, money, whatever it is. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. I appreciate the emails. I've had uh, one person commenting on some releases that I've done on the book that I'm writing. And we've had a little discourse there on some of those aspects of what I had posted there. So please feel free to do that, to ask me any questions, email me anytime, all that good stuff. So thank you very much. Until next time, I'm out. Peace. This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye.